On July 30th, 2008, Josh Pack was swimming with his brothers at a family reunion. Standing in water almost to his waist, he did a swimmer's dive. In that instant, his life changed forever as he remembers hitting sand under the water that left him paralyzed. Josh Pack is a CPA who currently works as a controller at Reese's Dental and Braces. He graduated from Weber State University, earning both a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. He is convinced that he has the best family and friends on the planet, and having known some of them, I'd have to say he's arguably right. This is All In, an LDS Living podcast where we ask the question, what does it really mean to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ? I'm Morgan Jones, and I am so grateful to have my friend Josh Pack here with me today. Josh, welcome. Morgan, it's fantastic to be here. I am uh, humbled at the opportunity to be on your podcast. So thank you. Well, it is a treat to have you, and I am so, I'm so excited for those listening. Josh's cousins are very good friends of mine. And I recently heard him speak up at Weber State. And his message is just so powerful and so engaging that I thought this is something that people need to hear. And I think it'll be helpful to so many people, regardless of their their circumstance or life situation. But Josh, first of all, can you tell us a little bit about yourself pre- 2000, is it 2008? Yeah, 2008. Yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit about what you were like growing up, what your growing up was like, what you were like, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So before my accident in 2008, I grew up in Eden, Utah. And it's like the recreational, I don't know, capital of Northern Utah, maybe (laughs) outside of Park City, maybe. And so we grew up just hunting and fishing and being outside and enjoying all of the the beautiful creations of our Heavenly Father. And, you know, right next to our house, we have three ski resorts within 15 minutes. We have Pine View Reservoir, grew up playing sports, played some high school basketball. And so we were just like really active, always outside, always doing run, 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 and work hard, play hard. <laughs> and that's that's what we were physically, you know, outside and living yeah. the dream. Yeah. Well, where you live, I can vouch for this. Eden is stunning. So beautiful. And your family, you really are the type of people that are just constantly going. Um, So in 2008, you were how old? I was 18 years old. I had just graduated from high school. And uh, maybe can I go back and just say a little bit about my family? Yeah, please. So in my family, I have an older brother that's two years older and then a brother that's a year younger than me. And then the youngest brother is five years younger than myself. And then my sister's only three years younger. So we're all like really close in age and really tight. Yeah. And so we all grew up together just running around. So in in 2008, when this happened, you were 18 years old. You were at a family reunion. Is that right? Yeah, we were at a family reunion. We had some family in from, from California. And we're, we're there. We're playing at Pineview Reservoir. And yeah, so we're there and we're just, we're playing. And the the few days before that, I had been wakeboarding on Pineview Reservoir every single day for a week straight. Because that's just, that's like typical summer. We'd wake up in the morning, go hit the lake while it's glass, and then go to work in the afternoon. And so we're there for the family reunion. So it's just like another day on the lake, just playing and having fun. 
and I had just gotten done wakeboarding and we're hanging out on the beach with the family. And I turned to my two brothers and it's getting to be, you know, 9, 30, 10, 10. And I'm like, hey, we better get to work. So let's go for one last swim and then we'll head to work. And I run in just like as deep as you can go, like I've done a thousand times to about waist deep and just do a little surface dive and my head hit something and all of a sudden I can't move. Unbelievable. So what what had you hit? Sand? That's a good question. Probably just like sand or a rock or I don't I don't know, but something. Yeah. Something like hard enough to to break my neck. Yeah. And so, so. then your brothers found you yeah, I'm in the water. Face down and I can't breathe and I can't roll over. I can't move anything. And I'm right ready to start sucking in water. And my brother Justin, he grabs me and pulls me over. And uh, my younger brother Colton grabs me and they they haul me back to the beach. And tell us a little bit about the days and weeks that followed that. Just a little synopsis of what you went through over that next little period of time. Yeah. So a lot of like priesthood blessings and prayers. I get a first ride, first ride trip from with a helicopter to, to McKady Hospital in Ogden. And uh, I wake up in a hospital bed with uh, tubes and monitors coming out of every orifice of your body. And it's like instantly you wake up and realize like, wow, like life's, life's different. And it's going to be, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. So three days after my accident, I, I get pneumonia really bad from almost drowning and get, getting some water in my lungs. And my left lung collapses and uh, I can't breathe. And it's like terrible. It just feels like you're drowning. You just can't breathe. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they put me on life support and they inundate me for, it was about two weeks that uh, they just kind of zonk you out and I'd come to every once in a while, but you can't talk. You can't say anything. It's like, you're just like staring at everybody. You can hear them talk, but you can't like say anything. That is such a, yeah, I can't so, even imagine like, that. Sc- it's scary. You just feel trapped. Like the most trapped you'd ever felt like, that's how it kind of felt like for two weeks. And uh, after that, I come to and uh, they take me off life support and start to talking again. And from that moment on to like saying my first words again after two two uh, two weeks of being in the hospital, just kind of rebuilding my life to where I'm at today. Yeah. I want to really quickly, before we move on, I want to touch on this idea, what you were describing. I've never heard somebody describe what it's like to be on life support and to have yeah. that experience. Uh-huh. What was going through your head? Were you scared? Did you feel super uncomfortable? What else was going on? Like all of those emotions like tied into one, but you have like a tube going down your throat and you can't drink or eat anything. And so your mouth's incredibly dry. Like if you could think about like being out in the Sahara Desert for two weeks, that's what it feels like. Eventually, like they they started swabbing my mouth out with like Coke or like Gatorade. And it was like, oh, that tastes so good. <laughs> this is heaven. It's like the best Coke, yeah, you've ever had. And so you just feel really trapped. Yeah. Yeah. So when when you were taken off life support and you started to kind of come to, I guess, mm-hmm. what was the initial prognosis? And did they think that you would walk again at that point? So the doctor came in and he basically, you know, was like, hey, bad news for you, man. You're paralyzed. And, uh, you know, so, some people do like come back and walk. And but chances are you're, pro- you're probably never going to walk again. 
And uh, it was at like that moment where it was like, you know what? I don't really care what anybody tells me, but I'm going to walk again. And that was like my goal that I had set for myself. At that point, I was like, there's no doubt. I was like a physical specimen before I got hurt. Big biceps, six pack, (laughs) right? Like I was like physically active and I was like, I know how to work out and like, I'm going to beat this. Like guaranteed, give me half a year to a year and I'm going to be walking again. This is just going to be a bump in a road and it's going to be a really cool story. I can tell everyone I I broke my neck and I'm walking again. Yeah. And so for those who are listening that cannot see, you are in a wheelchair still. Yeah. When you look back on that, what would you tell yourself then knowing what you know now about that attitude of, yeah. you know, I'm going to walk again? Would, would you still I, I would want say to— the exact same thing. <laughs> I wouldn't change anything about like that, that attitude or that goal. In yeah. fact, I would like even drive it home even more. I'd be like, don't listen to anybody. If you yeah. get like a redo to maybe do something different, to maybe get back one more muscle or, you know, one more paralyzed— part in your body, like go after it with all your heart, mind, and soul, you know, go, go get, go get it. Yeah. So I love that you said that because one thing that I'm hoping people take away from this podcast is overwhelming optimism. I am so impressed with you, Josh, and your ability to remain optimistic, to have a great attitude and to still have hope And so over the course of this conversation, I want to talk a little bit about how you've been able to maintain that and what have been the tools that have helped you. First of all, let's touch on your family. You mentioned that you and your siblings are very close. Your parents are fantastic people. How did your family support you beginning even in the hospital? How did they support you and help you maintain optimism? Yeah, it's... um. I wouldn't be where I'm at today with the testimony of Jesus Christ and the loving Heavenly Father without the support of so many wonderful family and friends. And so I look back at those first few weeks and even like those first few years after my accident, and I was relying on my, my family and my friends' testimonies to get me through, through those times, but uh, especially my immediate family, I think that like this experience kind of welded our family unit together. It was like a sink or swim moment for us. And uh, man, they all just like came to my rescue. Yeah. What would you say, Josh, to someone maybe who has had a family member go through an accident like yours or some other has been diagnosed with an illness and yeah. it's it's recent, right? It's yeah. there they've just gotten that news. What would be your advice in terms of how to best support a family member or a loved one going through something like that? That's hard because like I've been in that situation where like you see like a loved one struggling and you're like, what words could really do this justice? You know, if I put myself in like my brother's, you know, shoes and you go into the hospital room and there your brother is paralyzed, like what words, what can you really say that is going to be meaningful or impactful? And uh, I would just say to follow the Holy Ghost and to rely on the Savior and the atonement and that through him, through his grace, you can, you can do anything. That we can do some incredibly hard things 
It's wired in our spiritual DNA. So don't give up. Never give up. Keep up the good fight. And eventually all things will work together for our good. So, Josh, I want you, if you don't mind sharing, you shared an experience um, when you spoke up at the Institute. You, you talked about being on an airplane uh-huh. and hearing two women have a conversation. And I kind of want, if you don't mind, I'd love for you to kind of share that experience sure. and then we'll kind of jump off from there. Okay. So years later, I've like rebuilt a life. I'm still in a wheelchair. I'm still paralyzed. But I fly to Denver or Arizona about once a, once a month for work. So I'm, I'm flying back from, from Denver and uh, there I am. I'm on the airplane and uh, I always fly, fly Southwest. Shout out to those guys. They're uh, super nice. And uh, I board the airplane and I slide over to the, the window seat and because uh, that's like the best seat on the plane. And these two ladies, they come and they sit next to me. And before we even take off on the plane, they start complaining. And uh, just about like little things, you know, like going through airport security and paying for a cup of coffee at the airport and how expensive it is. And uh, we get airborne and uh, it's just like one story after another about uh, delinquent children, um, divorces, illness. And uh, it almost becomes like a battle on who has the, the worst <laughs> life, life horror story, who can make the, un- uh, the other individual like cry first. And uh, they're getting like pretty loud, pretty bo- boisterous. And I remember like looking at the, f- the the flight stewardess, and she's like, "Like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. This is like get out some popcorn, yeah, folks. Like, totally, yeah. Listen up. And uh, we're getting ready to land in Salt Lake. So they've complained for the full flight from Denver to, to to Salt Lake City, and we're getting ready to land. And the lady pulls out of her purse X rays of her back. And like surgery that ha- that she had had on her back, and uh, clearly like it looked it looked bad, it looked pretty gnarly. And uh, the other lady like basically just capitulates and is like, "All right, I guess you win, you win the battle, basically, of whose life is toughest." And uh, we land. They uh, they stand up. They get off the plane. And uh, the biggest like takeaway for me from that experience is like first off that like everybody has a story to tell. That life life is hard for everybody. And uh, granted, like everybody can see that I'm in a wheelchair and I'm probably here doing your podcast because of my wheelchair, but you could take almost anybody and put them in front of this microphone and be like, hey, you know, like what, what are some of the trials? What are some of the obstacles that you've gone through and done? What are some of the hard things that you've, you've gone through in this life? And I'm sure like everybody has a story. Everybody, life is you know, unfair to everybody. Absolutely. And my second lesson is if you believe you're beaten, you are. And so as soon as you want to be picked on, as soon as you want to be like, my life is uniquely hard, you know what? You're beat. Yeah. So when life, when life kicks you down to the ground, uh, get back up. Yeah. So the thing that I loved when you told this story is you have boarded this airplane. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you slide into the seat these women probably had no idea that you who are sitting next to yeah. them are actually in a wheelchair. Yep. Yeah. And so I think that it's a powerful reminder of, like you said, everybody has a story, even the person sitting next to you that you may not, you may not even notice is there. Yep. Um, Josh. And the thing is like, just to add to that. Yeah. Like I get a benefit of a doubt of the doubt and everyone's like willing to help me and like open up the door for me. 
and uh, probably be a little bit more nice than what they would be to like an average human being. Yeah. But to maybe just like remember that, hey, everybody's like, everybody's going through some stuff. Yeah. So in the years and months since your your accident, your months and years, I should say, I should yeah. lead with months. Um, but in that time, Josh, you have really made a life for yourself despite your challenges. And so not only did you graduate from college, you also got a master's degree. Is that right? Yep. And you served a mission. Kind of. Yeah. Tell yeah. us tell us about that. The, the mission experience? Yeah. Okay. So it was, I, I get back from, from Colorado Hospital. It's the end of February. And uh, I'm, you know, just had turned 19. All my buddies are putting in mission their mission papers and they're, you know, serving all over the world from from Mexico, the Caribbean, Germany, Australia, the Philippines, South America. They're going all over the place. And here I am, you know, having, you know, your lifelong dream growing up in the LDS culture is, you know, up to that point is I'm going to serve a mission. You know, you're And you had an, an older brother. Ready. Oh, yeah. An older brother that had, was on a mission at the time of my accident. And he was serving in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, you just grow up expecting to, 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 to serve a mission. And uh, here I am. All my buddies are, you know, getting ready to serve and getting their papers and, and leaving. And I'm doing therapy with my mom. And I would, I would drive from Eden to NeuroWorks. It's this physical therapy place in, in West Jordan every day. Almost well, three times a week I'd go to NeuroWorks. The other two times I'd work with another physical therapist that was closer to home. So every day I'm just I'm just like doing grinding. therapy, yeah. just grinding it out, doing therapy, and uh, I'm driving to NeuroWorks, and my best friend, uh, his name is Nick Sorensen, and he had just left on his mission to Mendoza, Argentina, about two months before, and so I'm driving down to therapy, and I get this phone call from like it's like you know like a hundred digits long it seems like, <laughs> and I'm like I don't know who that is, I'm not answering it, and that same phone number calls my mom. And she's like, hey, you better answer this. It must be somebody. And so I answer the phone call, and it's my buddy on the other line. I'm like, Nick, how? And like, I'm like totally like taken back. Like, oh, my heck. I, how are you doing? How's the mission? And then it hits me like, dude, you shouldn't be calling me, you know? Like, you're on a mission. This is against the rules. And he's like, no, no, no. It's, it's all good. My mission president is here, and uh, he wants to talk to you. And uh, it's President Lindahl from Down in Provo. Awesome guy. And he's, he starts to say like, hey, you know, your buddy here, Nick, is with me and he's doing a great job and he's an awesome elder. And he was telling me a little bit about your story and how you had, you know, had grown up with aspirations of, of going on a mission. And here you are paralyzed now and you're not able to serve at this moment. But uh, we would like to adopt you into the Mendoza Argentina mission. And uh, so from that moment forth, I've been uh, part of their mission and uh, I was able to speak to their mission over Skype. And uh, the next year, they, they wanted to do a thousand baptisms in a year. And uh, I was kind of like the inspiration behind those baptisms. And they dedicated all of those, all of their work and all their efforts to my healing and my recovery. And uh, they would call me on and off frequently, President Lindahl and Nick. And uh, they just included me and, and made me part of uh, the, that, that mission. So it was awesome. Amazing. Yeah. I think that's such a great example of 
a friend being able to be supportive. Again, it's that idea of, I think we sometimes underestimate how much we need the people around us and how much of a support those people can be. Even, even your friend that was thousands of miles away on his mission. Right. And I think it's also testimony that like Heavenly Father loves us and he knows that there's the desires of our hearts and he uses other people like my friend, Nick and president Lindahl to, lighten our burdens. Yeah. And usually Heavenly Father is going to show his love or help us through trials and difficulties through other people. Yeah. So just to clarify, the reason I thought you had served a mission, so now I'm curious, Uh is because I saw the picture of you with like a name tag on. Were you able to meet? So they photoshopped me into, (laughs) they photoshopped me into uh, a mission, like with all the APs down there. Amazing. And so, yeah, I'm photoshopped down there. And uh, so the best part about this is that I'm speaking to a youth group in North Ogden. And this is like years after my buddy Nick has been home and we've like shared this experience before and have spoke about it. And so I'm, I'm home and I'm speaking to this youth group and this kid comes up to me after and he's like, Hey, I know you like you're Josh Pack. You served in the Mendoza, Argentina mission. Your picture's like hanging up down at the mission home. And he's like, you're like a legend down there. You, you went down there, I guess. And you baptized like a thousand people. <laughs> And so I'm like this folk kind of folklore legend down there in Mendoza, I guess. So so cool. Yeah. I love that so yeah. much. So Josh, another thing that you, like I mentioned before, you didn't let anything stop you from g- gaining an education. And you told this story about your first day at school at Weber State. And I wondered if you could share that. Yeah. So it was my first day at Weber State when I had finally figured out how to drive and take care of myself and pull my book bag off my wheelchair and and at least like get there to school by myself. I had done a couple semesters before with the, the help of a brother and then also a really good good friend named Sean. So there I am. I'm like going to go to school like all by myself. And uh, I pull in with my truck and it's the start of the spring semester. So it's the second week in January. Very and cold. It, it's cold. Yeah. And, uh, I hate the cold. My legs hate, hate the cold, I should say. Just being paralyzed, they don't like the cold. Yeah. And so I get out of my truck and I hop in my wheelchair and I'm pushing my chair about the, it's like 50 yards into the building that I need to get to. And uh, on, on the asphalt, there's, there's some snow and some ice and just like asphalt cracks. And it felt like every time I would push my wheelchair, my leg would spasm and like come out of the footplate. And I had to grab my leg and put it back in the footplate. I'd take another push and my other leg would spaz out and fall out. So I'd grab it and push it back in. And then I'd hit a pine cone. And like the same thing would happen. So it's just like my legs are just, you know, spasming because it's cold. And I'm like hitting these obstacles. And it just was like, I'm never going to make it into school, it felt like. And I eventually like get into the building and I look down at my phone and I'm 30 minutes late. And uh, it was like so kind of like a little bit depressing. Yeah. To think like, how am I going to do this realistically? Even just like get into the building to school. Yeah. And uh, I go into the to the bathroom and I don't know whether like to laugh or, or cry. And uh, and uh, it was like at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm setting the goal. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to graduate. And I'm going to get a degree. 
And so, you not only graduated, yeah. but you did pretty well. Yeah, I graduated summa cum laude. So I was the guy that, that couldn't get into the building the first day of class to graduating at the top of my class. Amazing. So. What do you think it is, Josh? You talk about that moment in the bathroom. What creates that kind of mentality? Like, do you think, obviously, that's not something that was just created in that moment. Yeah. That's something that was developed over years of preparation leading to that moment. And then you're like, no, nothing's going to stop me. So what what creates that? I think like just growing up and like being around good parents and good examples and seeing like creating a good work ethic. But then also, I wouldn't be who I am without breaking my neck. And that like gritty tenacity comes from waking up every day and getting into a wheelchair and into a situation that you really don't want anything to have to be a part of. You're like, I'll be honest with you. It stinks, right? Being paralyzed. It's a total bummer. But waking up every day, climbing in that situation and saying, nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to go after my goals no matter what. And making that choice every day yeah. kind of builds up and makes you, makes you stronger and helps you develop some really unique attributes. Absolutely. Josh, what does get you out of bed every day? Like, what is it that helps you want to do it every day, day after day after day? Yeah, like, what, what is the why in yeah, life? Yeah, So first off, I sincerely believe that this life's a test, and it's supposed to be hard. And my choices, my decisions, who I decide to become, I will ultimately be judged according to those choices. And so I wake up every day with a smile on my face or try to because I know that Heavenly Father's watching me and that that's what he wants me to do. And then secondly, I think that I've set some really high goals. And so I want to go, get out there and accomplish and I got things to do. So get out of bed and get a smile on your face and make it happen. And then third, um, it breaks my family's heart that I'm in this situation. And if I don't get up and put a smile on my face, then it's going to break their heart if I was just down and depressed. So I put a smile on my face for them. Josh, I want to shift a little bit to faith in particular. Mm -hmm. What have you learned? So we talked earlier about that belief that one day you will walk again, and that's something that you still believe. Yeah. So what have you learned about the faith to be healed and maintaining an eternal perspective? Yeah. I received a, a priesthood blessing from my mom's cousin, who is what Bruce Porter. He's since passed away, but he was in the first corner of the 70. Awesome guy. I love him to death. Him and his wife, Susan, are incredible people. But he gave me a blessing, and he's blessed me multiple times, that I would walk again. And uh, I believe that. Um, all in the Lord's timing, right? And so I go to bed every night, and I say a prayer that, hey, maybe tomorrow's or tonight is the day. And I go to bed expecting to wake up the next morning and to be healed. Um, however... I love the verse in Daniel 3 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where they're like, they're getting ready to be tossed in the fire. 
and they look to King Nebuchadnezzar and they're like, we're going to be healed. We're going to be saved. But if not, that's not going to shake our testimonies and we're going to believe no matter what. And so that's kind of the attribute. That's kind of the attitude that I try and go through life with is that I believe I'm going to be healed in this life or the next, whenever that might be. It's not going to shake my faith in a loving Heavenly Father and in the atonement of Jesus Christ. What have you learned, Josh, about the love of God through this? Sometimes I think that we would love our Heavenly Father to be like a gumball machine where we could just throw a quarter in, throw, throw out a prayer, and just have everything work out our way. And there are moments in our lives where we feel like we know what's best for our lives. And I look back at 2008 and at those months, and I was like, you know, what would be best for me right now is for me to be healed and to walk again and to have all of these trials just like wiped away, made clean. That's what would be best for my life. That's what I thought. But the more like I go through this experience, the more I think that I see Heavenly Father loves us enough to let us come down here and experience a total un, totally unfiltered um, mortal body experience where you look at the history of humankind and it's full of like tragedy and wars and depressions and floods and really tough things happen to us. And I have or have, I'm trying to gain enough faith in a loving Heavenly Father that he's willing to let us experience all of that because he knows that's the only way for us to get back to live with him, to receive eternal life in the celestial king kingdom. It's through experiencing a really tough life. Yeah. I am so impressed, Josh, by your faith and by clearly this is something that you've worked to develop over time, even since your accident. This is something it seems like you really have tried to study and and build your faith. What are some things that have helped you do that? Like, how do you really dig in to building like a spiritual reservoir? Yeah. So I get home from the hospital from, from Denver, Colorado, the end of February. And it's like the middle of April that I get a phone call. And it's uh, the neighboring ward. And it's the young women's leader. And they're great friends. And she wants me to go speak. And... uh you know, I was like, speak, you know, like go share my ass. It's like not even a year old. Like that's a little fresh to like right. go like relive. The wound that. is not even yeah, healed it's yet. It's not even healed. Like I'm like, my life's like total, just, uh, just falling apart. And inside I'm saying, no, no, don't say that. You know, don't just, you know, you can get out of this. But like the Holy Ghost was like, yeah, you should, you should go. You should do that. And so I said, yes. And I go up there and they were doing, their, it was like their young woman's camp up at Bear Lake. So I go up there and I speak with my oldest brother who had just returned home from a mission. And he spoke before me and was like, total missionary spirit, totally rocked it, you know? And I got up there and I, I try and tell my experience, my story. And it was like so fresh and so new that I'm pretty sure I just like cried most of the time. It was like, it was like tragic for me. It was like really hard. Yeah. But uh, I bear testimony at the end. And, uh, 
I, I remember going home and like, I'm never doing that again. Like if someone calls me to speak, like definitely not happening. Hard pass. Yeah, like yeah. definitely not happening. And it was like the next week later, I get a phone call. And uh, it's like a second cousin out in Plain City and he wants me to come speak. And uh, You're like, I'm retired I'm from like, speaking. I'm like, I'm retired, I'm done. I'm not doing <laughs> this again, right? And uh, the Holy Ghost just like hits you again. Like, yeah, you, you, you need to do this. And so I said, okay, yeah, I'll do it. And uh, I'm like sitting there and I'm like preparing and getting ready to speak. And uh, I go there and uh, I give my talk. And it was just like the Holy Ghost just like loosened my tongue. And uh, I felt like the Holy Ghost was there and it was powerful. And I just like shared a beautiful mm-hmm. testimony that through Christ, we can, do, we can do all things. We can do really hard things because of his grace. And uh, from that moment on, I feel like those opportunities have just like kept coming, opportunities to share my testimony and to share my experience. And so I think that the Lord blesses us by, by giving us opportunities to extend ourselves and to do some uncomfortable things where at that moment our alarm bells are going off saying, don't do that. That's mm-hmm. uncomfortable. You know, that's out of your comfort zone. But uh, if we're willing to kind of step out on that ledge of faith, then it allows the Heavenly, Heavenly Father to do some, some miraculous things with our lives. Yeah. And I've seen that in my life. I love that. Josh, when you speak, I was amazed because you like quote scriptures and quotes that you've memorized and it's just like one after the other. What are some scriptures that have really helped you or do you have a favorite scripture that's helped you through this experience? Yeah. Just to like make me like go back to that a little bit about like the scriptures, just they just start to flow. And to me, that's just a gift from Heavenly Father. Yeah, you're willing to to speak and share your experience. And even though it's like uncomfortable and not the easiest thing to do, it's almost like a gift from Him, gift of the Spirit, so to speak. And so I love that. I love like when that kind of that kicks in. That kicks but, in. It's but I do cool. have to say, yeah. I always think I'm like, well, the Spirit of course, can call things to our remembrance. Yeah. And very cool when you feel that yeah. happening. But in order for it's that to happen— It's some work and some dedication. Exactly. It's not like I haven't spent time. Right. And the Spirit can't recall things that aren't there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, like, is there a specific scripture that stands out for you right now? Right now, like, <laughs> I love reading about Paul, and he has so many, like, gritty scriptures that just talk about the tough things that Paul has gone through— but he's always just bearing testimony of, of Jesus Christ. And so I love Romans 5. And uh, it says, But not only so, but we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because of the love of God is shed abroad in, heart, in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And uh, I just love that, to say, like, we glory in tribulation. I love the hard times. You know, like feed me, give me more, give me more trials, give me more adversities because that's going to make me a better person. And I love that attitude of Paul. And you just see that throughout, throughout the New Testament. And then being, having the faith to kind of go through those things, to, to, to have the experience and then to have the patience and then to have the hope and to kind of have the faith to just to have the experience of mortality 
and knowing that it's going to, it's going to work out. It's going to work out for our best. Yeah. Josh, there's a word that you, you've used a couple of times over the course of our conversation and it's grit or gritty. Mm-hmm. What does that word mean to you? So I read a great book about a year ago. It's Angela Duckworth's book. It's just called Grit. Yeah. 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 And uh, it's a great book. But she says that grit is having the the passion to go after a top-level goal and the perseverance to follow through. And so it's like setting like big or audacious goals because you're like just a passionate person that you want to like dominate life. And then to have the perseverance to follow through and to do something that's really uncomfortable for long periods of time, probably years, to accomplish a top-level goal. Amazing. Before we wrap up, I have a question for you. And I'm, I'll be honest, I'm slightly uncomfortable even asking it, but the spirit keeps on like it won't go away in my mind. So uh-huh. I'm going to ask it. Okay. Um, if you could go back to that day at the reservoir, uh-huh. would you still dive in the water? That's a tough question. I've thought like so much about it. And I would love to go back and see what my life would have been like without the wheelchair and to see like who I would have became without the experience. But I also know that the experience has made me who I am of breaking my neck and being paralyzed. And so while if I could, there's like two sides of everybody, right? Yeah. There's like kind of the spiritual side and then the natural man side of us. The natural man is saying like, I would hit that button all day to go back <laughs> and not have to experience this and be able to walk again. Like that would be amazing. Yeah. I would love to hit that button. But the faith to say, this is what's best for me is to experience this. And I'm okay to go through it, whatever it takes. And I know that Heavenly Father loves me. And through his atonement, and through the grace of Jesus Christ, it's going to be okay. I wouldn't change that for the world to have that testimony. Yeah. Before the last question, I just want to say, I think that you should be so, I I think Heavenly Father has to be so proud of what you have done with this particular trial. I think it, it is remarkable. Josh, what does it mean to you to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ? So I've thought, I, I know this question was coming, so I've had <laughs> a few weeks to think about it. But to me, personally, to be all in the gospel, and I kind of said it a little bit already, but it's waking up and getting in a wheelchair and climbing into a situation that I don't want anything to do with it. And I, I honestly, like, I hate it. There's a part of me that just like, I hate being paralyzed and feeling trapped and, and sometimes a little bit, you know, depressed and sad. You know, I, I hate that. But being all in is saying, despite that, despite the hard things, despite the trials that we go to, I'm all in and fully committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you climb in yeah, every day. Every day. Yep. Amazing. Give me more. 
<laughs> You're amazing, Josh. Well, I I have to tell you, I am so grateful to you for sharing this. I think that one thing that I love about this podcast is it gives people a chance to have a conversation with someone that we normally would never, like you and I, if we're at some kind of party or something, we're not going to have this conversation. Yeah. But I think it gives people a chance to really dig deep with someone and to get an idea of what your life is like on a daily basis, to hear you talk about getting up in the morning, to hear you talk about going to school that first day. And I think, I hope that as a result of this, um, it allows people to put themselves in other people's shoes um, to think a little bit more about what each of us are going through. And like you said, sometimes those things are more visible than others, but we all have things. Yep. And if we could get just give each other a little bit more grace, a little bit more love, that's what we all need. Yeah. So thank you. Can I say one yes, more thing? please. That nobody knows what we're going through. And even you know other people that are in wheelchairs everybody's situation's different and nobody's walked in our shoes perfectly but Jesus Christ has and he knows exactly what it's like for me individually personally to climb into this wheelchair every day and push it around and uh knowing that knowing that there is somebody that knows what I'm going through and knows the tears that I've shed and the thoughts that I've had gives me strength to keep going no matter what. Thank you so much. We are so grateful to Josh Pack for sharing his story on this week's podcast. If you'd like to read more about Josh's journey, you can visit our show notes for a link to a blog that his family maintained following his accident. As always, those show notes can be found at www.ldsliving.com slash all in. We are so grateful to Derek Campbell from Mix It Six Studios for his work on this episode, and we thank you for spending your very valuable time with us.